Today on The Breakdown, there's just three players left in the quarter-million-dollar buy-in Jeju Triton main event that just happened in January or recently, who knows, March 2019 anyway, and only big names remain in this event, and Dan Smith and Bryn Kenny face off in a hand that will determine a lot of what happens in the rest of this event. And there's so much money on the line. Millions of dollars have already been locked up, but there's so much more to win. This is a huge spot for Dan Smith, especially. And we're going to get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. This is a pretty good opening. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that was, that was all right. Okay. Oh, it was all right. Well, I appreciate that. You actually have been less critical of the openings in the last month or two, and I appreciate that well, as well. Well, you know, sometimes I just got to give you a break because I yeah. can see you just kind of crumbling and like, yeah. I got to keep you on the edge of, <laughs> of the crumble, but not all the way. Yeah, I can't you know, go a, full, a, full on nervous breakdown it's here. A tough, it's a tough line for me to walk, yeah. but I do pretty well. You have to admit that. You, you have, do. Yeah. You do well. You. But I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, you're welcome. I knew you needed one today, but tomorrow's <laughs> a different story. <laughs> this is all just managing my mental health, huh? Yeah, this okay. is, that's my job. Uh, so that's the poker guys for you. But all right, so super high roller, 250K buy-in. We've got Dan Smith. we got Bryn Kenny. we got Timothy Adams as the third guy who's not going not gonna to play the hand. I find it interesting that all three of these guys have been on the high roller circuit for so long and that there's a lot of players like that. Mm-hmm. There's new players who burst on the scene every once in a while, become super high rollers, but... I've always been kind of curious about the economy of the super high rollers and how that all really works. Like how thin are the margins here? How much money Mm. are people making? Obviously a lot of it's based on how many unprofessionals they can get to play in these giant events. They're just rich businessmen who are going to donk it away and then the pros chop it up, but it's such extreme amounts of money. And then the different tax laws of different countries affect the individual players so much, which is, why, for example, so many of the super high rollers are German because they have untaxed gambling winnings. Yeah, it's it really it easier to beat the rake, you know, way, way, way easier. Yeah, I would have to think that a lot of these guys swap too. they yeah. just have to, don't they? Even though there's like this main event, there were only 25 entries. Really? Yeah, because it's, you know, a quarter million dollar buy in. Right. But still, like you're telling me Jason Kuhn isn't swapping with anyone. Really? Really, Dan Smith isn't swapping with anyone. These are some of the best players in the world. They're all really good friends. They're not swapping at all. They it seems that, hard to believe. They know that if there is there is an edge to be had against the pros who are in the field, it's razor thin. Yeah. You know? they're, they're here to take Paul Fu's money. Right. right. I mean, that's what's going on. Yeah. It's and they're like succeeding. A, it's like a long game to take the rich guy's money yeah, instead of just doing the straight up cash game version where you just take it directly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Um, anyway. We're down to just pros, as is often going to happen yeah. in these events. Uh, this was suggested by Leo Chen, a rookie. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. And now I got to say something about Leo Chen. Okay. We've had a lot of rookie suggestors over the years mm-hmm. on the breakdown. Obviously, you got to start somewhere. Most of them, I think, probably were tagalongs of veteran suggestors mm. on popular hands. You know, Often that's the case. Right. Yeah. This is a good sign for Leo Chen as a rookie that he is the singular suggester of a hand that turns into a breakdown. Yeah. As your opening suggestion, that's rare. That is rare. Yeah. That's true. Nice work, Leo. Like, he's not just a rookie suggester. This is his rookie suggestion. Yeah. Like, he's, as far as I know, he's never made a suggestion before. Right. I think he just fo- started following us a few days ago. And, uh, yeah. 
we're right. doing this hand because this is a good hand. Zion Williamson right here with, with Leo <laughs> Chen. He might be the future. <laughs> might be the future of the whole thing. Zion Williamson, of course, is the uh, college basketball prospect who's the clear number one overall pick in the upcoming NBA. Draft. Like one of the best prospects of all time, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's Leo Chen for you. So nice job, Leo. I hope welcome you en- to the fold. I hope you enjoyed that because. You know, you should. It's fun to get shout outs from the poker guys. Anyway, it's so much fun. <laughs> three remain in this super high roller. Third is 1.7 million. Second is 2.75 million. And first is 4 million in US dollars. Those are some heady numbers. Yep. They are legit. For a 25 player tournament. I guess that's what happens when the buy in is so high. Um, so the blinds are 30K and 60K. And nobody's short. Dan Smith is a short stack. He's got 2.2 million. So mm-hmm. still a workable stack, nearly 40 blinds. Timothy Adams has 2.9 million. Bryn Kenny, overwhelming chip leader with 6.8 million. Yep. This hand's going to start with Dan Smith. No cowboy hat. I guess he stopped doing that. It was just a 2018 thing, maybe. Maybe he lost a bet or won a bet. Or chopped a bet. <laughs> maybe chopped a Probably bet. all three of those things happened. Over time, I'm sure they've all yeah. happened. Um, all right, so Smith has ace 10 of spades on the button. He's got his 2.2 million. He's going to make it 135K. Not much to say there. Right. Uh, we're at 3060? Yep. Okay. Timothy Adams is going to fold in the small blind. Bryn Kenny is going to say, I have all the chips. I'm in the big blind, 6.8 million. He's got over 100 blinds. He's going to three butt to 520K with jack four offsuit. So obviously, this is not a range based play. No, this is a position based play, I think. Like you open the button. Of course, when we're three handed, the button is the strongest. I don't, I don't even know what's the strongest place to open from, actually. Probably it's- the small blind. I mean, if the button folds and the small blind opens, it's not that it's not that strong. Nothing is strong. Nothing is strong. Uh, they're going to be true. wide here a lot. Maybe like, is this just Bryn Kenny saying like, I'm going to do this all the time, and there's not anything you can do about it unless stack depths change here? Um, I mean, I don't necessarily think so. Like Dan Smith has a reasonable four bet shoving stack here. He's got like 38 blinds, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big four bet shove, but it's reasonable. It's not that big. It's reasonable, especially when Bryn makes it 520. Exactly. Like, it's not crazy at all. Um, In fact, if you had only like 25 blinds, you might be worried about getting it. Like, you might be like, well, I'm always getting called. So you need a big, like when he makes it 520, like, you know, so now you're you're, in practice, you're really not in tournaments always getting called. But, but like odds wise, you're supposed to always be called when, if you only have 25 blinds. So like give 38 blinds, that's. I don't think Bryn Kenny's thinking he's never getting shoved on here. I don't believe that based on the stacks. No, I don't think he thinks he's never getting shoved. Or like, on, ra- like I think I think he's getting shoved on. But this is just like random aggression, right? It's just like right. You open the button. I have Jack Four off. I have more chips than you. Stop opening the button, dude, because I'm going to keep doing this. Or keep opening the button and folding. That's fine too. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. And th- uh, something that's changed over the past, I don't know, ten years in poker is I think this used to be thought of as a spot where Smith had to either shove or fold mm-hmm. because it's a quarter of a stack. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's the thinking anymore. It's clearly not the thinking by Dan Smith because he decides just to call. Yeah, let's talk about this. Let's take like two minutes and talk about at least and talk about this decision. Okay. Because I know a lot of players will call here and I can come up with pretty good reasons to call for sure. The best reason I can think of is this hand is like a little too good to shove because if we shove, we're kind of turning into a bluff. Right. We're not really getting called by worse hands pretty much ever. We can get called by flips, but I mean... We actually may get called by ace jack and we may fold out ace nine. I mean, yeah. it may be sort of the worst case in terms of the aces. Possibly fold out ace jack once in a while. Right. But that, like, ace queen's obviously not folding. And the reasonable pocket pairs aren't folding. And so, like, yeah, it's we're not really in great shape when we shove. 
Um, so that, and this hand is good and this hand does play reasonably well in position. So those are good reasons to call. Yeah. Now the reasons to, to shove, the obvious reason to shove is first of all, there's a lot of chips in there. Like Bryn made it five twenty. Yeah. Like that's already, there's like, you know, we only, we start with 38 blinds. We're, we're staring at a pot of like 12 blinds already. Well, but Smith can, can find better hands to shove for that. He doesn't want to get called with like the ACE. Right. This is true. That are lower. Like, Ace 10 suited is actually a hand you can play in position. Right. And it's almost going to do, it's going to do similarly against the range as if he had Ace 7 off that Brink is going to call with. So maybe he want to shove Ace 7 off to right. pick up the dead chips because it's like a hard hand to play. And but call ace, with the Ace 10. Because Ace 10 does actually yeah. does play pretty well. That is completely reasonable. And that's yeah. a good reason to call. The reason to shove, though, is it's hard to win this pot a lot of the time, even with ACE 10, even with ACE 10 suited, if you don't flop really well, like you're just going to lose a lot, right? Like Brent Kenny's not the kind of guy who's going to be like, Oh, I missed. I give up. Right. He's going to fire. He's going to put you to tough decisions and have hitting a 10 may not be enough for you to decide to call down sometimes. Well, another thing in favor of changing the way we think about this, mm. this quarter stack thing where you used to have to shove or fold is post-flop sizing in tournaments has changed a lot. That's true. Post-flop sizing is so much smaller now among the higher level players. Like you can, you can call even if you've put in a quarter of your stack, a lot of the flop bets without having flopped super well. Because, because the flop bets are so tiny. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Depending, depending on the player, if it's Sam Greenwood or something like that, yeah, they bet so small, it's weird. Yeah. And you can, yeah. So that's true. That's a fair point. So I don't know. I think I like calling here. I think it's the best decision. I think it's probably best. I think I agree basically for the reasons you're saying that like we have so many other aces we can shove that which also are bluffs. And then this hand is good enough to call with basically. And there aren't that many hands we're going to open that are good enough to flat with here. Right. right? I mean, it's mostly like pretty big suited cards. King, King queen off. We could call with. Yeah. I guess we call with King Jack off. We probably call with like queen Jack suited and Jack 10 suited too. Oh yeah. 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 I think so. Um, Because they flop. They can flop pretty well. 10-9 suited, yeah. we might call with. Because we're in position. Right. I think we probably call with. Um, but I think we're shoving all of our aces that are like worse than ace-8, probably. Maybe yeah. ace-8 and below. Ace-9 is a bit of a weird one. Ace-9 off is a bit of a weird one. Ace-9 suited, maybe we call. I don't even know. We probably need to flat some super strong hands, too, to make this profitable over time. Hmm. Like, we probably need to flop uh, flat like a third of our combos of pocket aces or something. That sounds pretty reasonable. When yeah. it's a quarter of our stack to call yeah. pre. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just going to blow them off too many things. Yeah, right. we have to we have to we have to keep some really strong stuff in our calling range. That's smart. Um, yeah, we can shove our ace kings and ace queens. Yeah, so we're going to call with like ace jack, ace ten, king queen, queen jack suited, jack ten suited, maybe ten nine suited. Yeah. Some of the maybe some of the mid pot. What do we do with pocket eights here? I think we're shoving mostly because you just because it's yeah. going to be so hard to play that post right. flop. Like, it's not worth trying to put that in balance. Let's just play it the way that it demands to be played. Yeah. Um, but so like, we, and we, you can get called by worse hands and maybe flatting like a third of our combos of aces, Kings and Queens or something like that. Right. Just to add those into hands that we can have as strength. That sounds, that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. I like that. That's a good, that's a good plan. Let's do that. All right. Well, Smith decides ace 10 suited as part of the calling range. Yeah. I think I agree. I think I like it. He does call Brynn, of course is messing around and Smith would have just got to win the pot if he showed, yes. but he still might get to win the pot. He's got ace 10 suited. That's pretty good. Yep. So the pot is 1.13 million now. And I give Nitrogen Sports Poker Room 1.13 million stars out of 1.13 million stars. I mean, are you filling them out like by hand? Uh, I used to be doing that until I hired a bunch of little lizards to do it for me. <laughs> little lizards? Yeah. They're, How much? Do you, what do you pay them in? What currency? Uh, little li- lizard snacks. 
<laughs> Which is, of course, a thing. Yeah. Lizard snakes. It's not flies anymore. It's not lizard your mama's snakes. flies. No, they're synthetically created. Yeah. Lizard snakes. They're little, little crackers, right? Little, I mean, they look like crackers. They're fly-based crackers. They, the great thing about the lizard snacks is they also have a psychedelic element that keeps the lizards kind of, you know, subservient. It's That's perfect. important it's perfect, for sure. Especially when you're trying to fill in <laughs> 1.13 million individual stars. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? I totally do. Now I, I don't want to like pursue this too far, but I got to ask. All right. So do they, how do they fill, what do they fill them in with? Like little markers? Yeah. Yeah. That we have like a uh, little ergonomic for lizard markers. <laughs> Oh, that's good that it's ergonomic, though, yeah, so that the poor not, little lizard hands aren't going to get arthritis. Well, that is not really for the benefit of the lizard. It's oh. because I don't want to have to retrain new lizards when they get arthritis. Oh, it's that's really smart. kind of selfish. I'm <laughs> going to be honest here. Well, but you're still preventing, like, you know, maybe some long-term injuries to the lizards. Yeah, that's, but it's, that's a out, benefit of, to it's them. out of self-interest. Now, when, okay. I talk, when I talk to the Better Business Bureau about it, of course, it's for the good of the workers, but you know that's bullshit, and so do I. I mean, I mean for the good of the workers is for the good of the company. Yeah, that's, that's, what okay. I would, that's what I would say. It's both. That's that's what I say to the better That's business fine. bureau, bro. So let's talk more <laughs> about these lizards. I love that we now have the, this is basically become an ad for lizard snacks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's talk about the real thing though. Okay. Nitrogen sports poker room where dreams take wing. <laughs> dreams will, f- will carry you. You don't carry them anymore. Right. They carry you. It makes sense. That's especially true. If you use the link in the description of this podcast, when oh, you sign up for nitrogen because you have to. Yeah, you ha- because you have to, because it gives you access to exclusive Poker Guys events. Currently, that manifests as a monthly tournament. It is a 0.1 millibit buy-in. There are 100 millibits guaranteed, meaning we need 1,000 players to meet the guarantee. We've never met the guarantee. No. We've never met half the guarantee. No. We've never met a third of the guarantee. Keep going. We've never met a tenth of the guarantee. Yeah. So guess what? That means free money for you. Nitrogen just keeps throwing money away, and you are the beneficiary don't be like the lizards. Take advantage of this extraordinarily poorly run company. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're kidding. They're actually a wonderful company. Yeah, and they are they're, they're a longtime you know, sponsor. Longtime sponsor, and they're good to their poker people, and that's they are. that's why we're coming to you with this offer. Yeah. So get on there, get you some poker, get you some sports betting, some casino games, and uh, you know, lizards. <laughs> but let's talk more about these lizards next. Well, okay, what do you want to know? What are they called? Uh, I don't have a name for What them. do they taste like? Lizards. Are they are they human grade? No. So you, people can't eat them? No. Oh. Lizards shouldn't eat them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we're done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Back to the end. Back to the end. All right. So Dan Smith has 1.7 million back. The pot is 1.13 million. So this is like the whole argument about... Yeah, jumping. this is the problem. He's got ace, ten of spades, and Kenny has three bet with jack four offsuit. I mean, it's not really a problem. Like, there's a lot of flops we just have to fold on as Dan Smith, right? Because otherwise, because of our stack to pot ratio. We just have to give up a lot, and if we flop something reasonable, we probably just have to go with it. Yeah. That's all. Flop is nine of clubs, five of spades, three of hearts. So there are two back doors for Smith, but it's not a beautiful flop. No. The thing is so weird because Bryn Kenny is such a notoriously aggressive player. Like, ace, ten is still ahead a lot of the time, as is the case right now. Yeah. But Kenny's, what are you going to do? You've got like, a, you have so little. Well, Kenny's going to continue. He's going to bet 385K. Yeah. Which is pretty small. After making it 520 yeah. ahead of time. Yeah. And Smith decides to call. Yeah. I don't know. This I think is problematic. I, I think man. I like it. You do? Yeah. What's the plan on the turn in the river? The plan is Bryn Kenny gives up? Because that's the only plan I can come up with here. I mean, there's some Bryn Kenny gives up. Bryn Kenny gives up. There's some call down if 
things seem to go the way that you want them to. Like, w- w- give me examples of call down where the board doesn't pair. Why does the board have to not pair? Because it's easier when the board pairs. I'm saying a I lot, of, like a lot of time the board, like the board doesn't pair that often on turn and river. So I'll give you if the board pairs on the turn, you could decide to call down. It's, it's clearer, but what cards are going to come All that right. you're going to call down with deuce Jack. So what's the board right now? I'm not going to tell you nine, nine, five, three, nine, five, three deuce Jack. You're just going to call down. Guess what? I, you're going to lose. Bryn hit, Bryn hits a Jack on the river. I know, but I think you can, <laughs> You can call down against Bryn Kenny sometimes on runoff. So like what is Bryn supposed to have when, when we call down I mean, on, on nine, five, three deuce Jack? That's the thing. We see as Jack four off. He just has anything. Ace 10 might be. I don't of- like this plan. I don't like, I feel like this is like, we're just closing our eyes and guessing and hoping it all works out. If we're going to do that, we should just four bet. We're just close our eyes and guess and hope it all works out that way. I mean, way. Kenny is going to slow down a lot of the time when Smith has committed this much of his stack too. Um, that's true. That's true. At the same point, he's Bryn Kennedy. He's got the chip, but he may just put us to a decision. He just may move us in on the turn a lot. You're just going to call. I mean, Smith, clearly if, if he has pocket aces, he's just calling here, right? Yes. So Kenny has to be worried about stuff like that. Not that worried. There's, there's not that many combos of that stuff. Yeah. There's a few, but yeah. there's not that many. And when Bryn Kenny, I'm uh, sorry, when Dan Smith has... Oh, I don't know. It's hard to come up with hands. Like, what's Dan Smith supposed to have even when he calls? Like, what what hands does he have here that are good that aren't like the pocket aces variety? That aren't the slow playing variety? It's all thinks, like it's like all aces, right? I guess he thinks ace high, aces. Ace, a good ace high is too good to fold against Bryn Kenny right yeah. now because Bryn Kenny is fucking nuts. Right? I just, I just, if we were deeper, I would feel completely good about this. But I just think you're like putting, you're like painting yourself into a corner as Dan Smith now. Like, how many chips are we going to have left? What's the pot going to be? Going to the turn. Uh, he's going to have 1.3 left, and the pot's going to be 1.9. Yeah. So we're just going to call and pray we're right on certain certain turn cards? I think that's some of the plan. Board pairing yeah. cards, I think we're calling on. Anything that we improve with, we definitely call. I mean, if, if the board pairs and Bryn sets us in, it's hard for him to have a good hand. I will give yeah. you that. Um, it's just not very believable, right? Um but if the board doesn't pair, I just, I don't know, man. It feels like it's just asking a lot. I mean, it may be asking a lot. I just. Can't we find a better spot than I, ace I liked, 10 high? I liked the call preflop. Yeah. And I think once we're here, it's a little exploitable to fold a oh. pretty good ace high here. I agree. But sometimes you have to be exploitable in tournaments. Like, don't you? I feel like we have to preserve our stack a bit. I'm just concerned about our stack situation. Like how often does Brinkney actually have the best hand here? How often can we realize our equity here if we just call on the flop? Depends on how willing we are to follow through in the future. Yeah. So 90%. <laughs> I mean, this is the question, right? Like, are we going to have the stomach to keep calling? It? And is that a good idea? Those are the two questions I have. I'm not sure about either one. Something, Dan Smith knows more about both these things than I do. Something Dan has going for him here is that he is the short stack in the tournament. So it's not like a huge disaster if he heroes and is wrong. I mean, okay, but the other side of that is he started the hand with 38 blinds. He didn't start with like yeah. 14 blinds, no, right? True. Like he has enough chips that he could be, he still could be a huge factor in this tournament and win the tournament, of course. You know, obviously you can always win the tournament, but you know what I mean? Like he's Dan Smith. Dan Smith with 30 blinds is dangerous. Yeah. He has 30 blinds right now. Like he doesn't have to put more chips in. He could fold and have 30 blinds and like wait for a better spot. Or he could, you know, or he could put in another six blinds and be down to 24 blinds, which is still reasonable. But then if he's put to, if he's going to call off on the turn, 
with ace high and call his 24 blinds. Now he's just like, ah, I hope it all worked out. You know, I don't know. It just seems, I mean, it's possible that that's the plus EV way to play against Bryn Kenny. I mean, Bryn Kenny then has to be just three betting, like an insane monster and betting all flops and moving us in on most turns. I mean, I feel like that's possible. Yeah. He has Jack four off right now. He does have Jack four off right now. It's true. I don't think this is the plan against every player, but we just can't let Bryn Kenny use his aggression to destroy us. I understand. Well, this is, this is a re this goes back to like four betting. Isn't the worst idea, even though maybe we lose out on some of there's some value we lose out on. We also don't get ourselves in these sort of weird, sticky situations. I think you have to be, if you're going to acknowledge that you think the most plus EV way to play preflop is to call, you have to be willing to make calls like this mm-hmm. on the flop to follow through with that. Cause otherwise yeah. the call is not the most plus EV way to play. I mean, pre-flop. so the question, here's the second question. Let's say the turn comes and it's a brick of some sort. Okay. And Brent Kenny checks as Dan Smith. Are we betting or are we checking? Mostly checking. I think. So we're just hoping we have the best hand. We're just trying to realize our equity. That's a lot of it. I don't know if I like that either. So the plan is also then to just call on a lot of rivers. Yeah. If we check back the turn. God, we're just putting so many chips in with with this hand. Yeah. Just don't love that. Just feel like there's so many. We're going to make a pair. So we're going to have we're going to have so many better flops and so many better hands and so many other spots. We're going to just have more and better equity and all these things. You know? It's possible that Dan just is calling on this flop because he's ahead of Bryn's range in yeah. general and he has two back doors. I think that's probably what's going on. And it's cheap. It's 385 into 1.13. So it's cheap in that way. It's not cheap based on Dan stack. No, it's it's a fifth of Dan stack. That's true. So it's not cheap at all from that point of view. It's cheap based on the based on the size of the pot. I just don't think you can fold this flop if you call preflop. I don't think you can do it. It's terrible. I don't disagree, but I don't like the situation that Dan Smith is putting himself in at all. Well, you can go back to 2008 and shove preflop then. Dan Smith will keep playing super high rollers while you <laughs> linger in the background. Dan Smith is just a lucky guy. Yeah. He just gets lucky a lot. I think he's playing it the correct way. I think this is how you're supposed to play this hand against Brent Kenny. I'm not sure I love your plan of even if you think we should call pre, which I, th- I agree, and you think we should call on the flop, which I think I agree with. I don't like the plan of just to keep calling down with just ace 10 you high don't have to call 100% of the time. I mean, it's just, no, I understand. But like you're saying on, on like most runouts, basically call, right? I don't love it. Not, I think that's probably I mean, you, you bad. Like, you, you were like painting me into a corner with all your shit. You're like, well, you, you can't have the board pair in your scenario and stuff like that. It's not on most runouts. It's on, on good runouts. Like I won't want to call down on good runouts. Sometimes there's an improvement. One of the back doors comes yeah, in. Of course. Sometimes you hit an ace or a 10. Yeah. That's I mean, nice. Sometimes or maybe more frequently than we think Brynn is going to slow down. I don't know. Like that's possible. Mm-hmm. I guess we should ask, should Bryn ch- slow down? We'll ask that question in the future. Yeah. Anyway, we're here. Okay. Dan Smith calls. The pot is 1.9 million. He's got 1.3 back. The turn is the four of clubs. So now it's nine, five, three, four. It's the second club and Bryn Kenny makes a four. So that's not fair. But Dan does pick up a straight draw. He does pick up a straight draw, but kind of, kind of shitty that Bryn Kenny hits a pair. Yeah. But the good news is if you make a straight on the river, Bryn will probably bet repping the ace. That's good. Yeah. At least we have that. We won't raise. We'll just call because Brink can, of course, get up at six pretty easily. But but that part is good. So all your outs are probably... Like, if you hit an ace, you think you're usually good. 
a 10 might be good still probably is. And, uh, and a deuce is almost certainly good. And Bryn's going to rep most of that stuff. That's cool. All right. So the turn is the four of clubs. So let's forget about that for a second. Okay. I want to talk about Bryn Kenny's perspective right now. If, if the turn was not something that improved Bryn Kenny, there's different answers for different cards, but how yeah. frequently should Bryn be continuing on the turn once Smith is called pre and called on the flop? I think very frequently. So like on a 10, you think you should bet? Yeah. Do you think there are cards you shouldn't bet? I think if the nine pairs, it's not great. I think board pairing cards are bad. Okay. Because Smith shouldn't really have a five well, or a three. No, he really shouldn't. Maybe um, he doesn't have nines. I mean, he could have nine, 10, like you're saying, but not a lot of nines. Ace nine. He might have ace nine. He might have nine, 10. Ace nine feels a lot more like a shove preflop to me than ace 10. It's close. Yeah. Ace nine's the really close one. Yeah. Right. Like that's the only one that's questionable, I think. Right. Um, ace nine suited. Maybe he had, maybe he doesn't shove ace nine suited. Maybe for all the same reasons we've been talking about. Basically. I don't maybe. know. Um, it's ace close. Just a significantly better hand than ace nine. I mean, it's one pip up, right? I it's, mean, it's, it's a, it's a big really. pip though. The, the pip from ace nine to ace 10 is similar to the ace five to ace six pip. Ace five, yeah, is of course, better, you know, the, the straight, understand. the straight draw. Yeah. You can make Broadway. I get it. But, and you know, and also you're doing better against pocket nines. Of course, that's good. Those are two nice things, but that's the only difference. I'm right? saying that the pip from ace eight to ace nine is not as big as from ace nine to ace 10. Of course I agree, okay. but I'm saying it's not that big a deal either. Um, it matters a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. That is all. Anyway, um, so I believe Rin is going to, should is going to and should probably bet frequently on the turn if he's taken this line so far. He bet small on the flop. He knows he's getting called by a lot of Dan Smith's range here. Yeah, maybe almost all of his range once Dan calls the three bet pre. Yeah. Right? I don't think that should be enough to slow you down as Bryn Kenny. I think you should then like let's make a big bet and see if Dan actually wants to play. So basically, shove. You don't actually even have to shove. You could just bet most of Dan's stack and you can fold if Dan moves in. Like you get I mean, to save a little bit. If you have an over card, should you fold depending on how much you left? Like how much are you talking about betting with? Oh, I'm not saying leave. Well. I'm not saying be like, what's his face? And okay. Stephen Chidwick and leave like 5,000 so, back. So betting like how much though? Smith has 1.3 million. The pot is 1.9 million. I think you could bet um, 950,000. And if you still have an over card fold, if he shoves. I mean, we have a jack over card. Yeah. Yes, I think we should fold if he shoves. Okay. What do you think? I think I'd rather just shove. I don't know. I think it's probably a little better to shove. Because? I mean, we just get a little bit more fold equity that way, I feel. I think it looks stronger to bet 950 than move in anyway. I mean, they both are about the same based on the pot size. Yeah. But I don't think it's that different. I don't know if it's different at all. It might not like be. It's, it's basically Dan Smith's stack either way, right? Yeah. He knows that. All right. Well, we don't get to see what would play out if Bryn didn't hit the turn, but he does hit the turn, and that means he decides to check. Should he be checking? I mean, probably. Check folding or check calling if Smith moves in? He's checking to check call, right? I guess so. He has to be. Like, it seems weird to hit your card and check fold. What hands is Dan moving in with? Ace high. I don't think he's moving in with ace high hands. I mean, you say that, but you don't know what he's doing with ace high hands, right? Well, I do know that he checks back ace high. You know that he, in this hand with ace 10, he's checking back ace yeah. high, but we don't know about other ace high hands. Like, what, like which ones? I don't know. I don't know. I don't actually know what he's calling with. We decided ace 10 was like, maybe he's calling with ace eight suited too. I don't know. And you think he's shoving that? 
Maybe he's just like, I just want to win this pot. This pot is huge. I just want to take it down. It's a monster pot for me to win right now. He's got 1.3. There's 1.9 in there, right? Yeah. Like it's worth, it's worth not messing around with and taking it down. If there's any chance you can take is it. Is that a good idea? If the logic that you had for Bryn follows where Bryn is going to, that's a good question. Bet all of his misses. Well, remember you said you thought though that Bryn might be giving up. So I'm, that's following my Maybe. logic. I agree with you, but following your logic, I think it's good to move so, in. So moving in with an ace high is just pure equity denial then? Clearly not for value, and you're never folding out a better hand. Um, you could fold out a better ace high. I suppose you could fold out ace queen or something if mm-hmm. you had ace eight. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Bryn might have uh, small pairs that he decided to three bet with and then bet the flop with Although, and not be checking. I, I think you think that Bryn would shove ace queen on the turn. I think Bryn is probably shoving ace queen, but but it sort of becomes the same problem, right? Like ace queen is just becomes a weird equity denial yeah. spot um, where maybe you think you, that may be one of the hands where you're like, well, I have the best hand a lot and I'm going to sort of like game three disaster myself here with a hand as good as ace queen. It's a so, weird spot so with should, ace queen. So you should be check calling with that too then. Um. You should consider check calling with it. Doesn't mean you have to call, but okay. yeah. But well, yeah. I mean, like all these things don't add up to Ace Eight being a good hand to shove to me. That's fair. Um, well, what are the hands that Dan Smith is showing up with here? Let's start with that. What's the range of hands he has that calls preflop and calls on the flop? Like, what does he have here? He's he got some, some aces. What else does he, he have? He has some monster pairs. Yeah. He has some nine ten suited probably. Yeah. And he has Ace High. Can he have King Queen? Maybe, but I would I would think less frequently. Because why? Because ace high is ahead more often. Um, okay. If he can have hands like king queen and jack ten and queen jack. He's not calling the flop with those hands, I don't think. One is three eighty five? Yeah, I don't think it's so. He's got two back doors. No, I think it's more about also having the best hand some of the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty important in that scenario. So you're saying he only has pretty good hands here. If you count ace high as a pretty good hand, sure. I mean, he's counting as a pretty good hand. He's calling because he thinks it's ahead, right? And that's why you're calling too. He's calling because he thinks he's at least sometimes ahead. Ahead a fair amount, yeah. not just sometimes, yeah. a fair amount. So pretty good. Yeah. Like you think you have the winner. That's why you're calling. Most of why, yes. Yeah. Like because you're not going to bluff it on the turn. So you think you have yeah. the winner. Yeah. A lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. Obviously not 100%, yeah. but I'm saying like you think like, no, no I'm good. This is, this okay, is so a fine spot. What's your point? My spot, my, my point is then what hands is he like? Maybe there's no hands he's doing this with. I guess he could do it with a nine to deny equity. Like what's he moving? Doing what with Dan Smith moving in, moving in. Yeah. Like, um, cause, cause now there's like a million overcards that could come on the turn or the river, excuse me, where he's like, uh, but that's sort of the same with ace 10 anyway. Well, he could, he could just, move but I guess he can get called by worse hands. He can move with like Kings and Queens if he has those hands. So you only so so right now we only have him moving in with over pairs. That seems problematic. Doesn't he have to have some non good hands to move in with? Does he? Doesn't he? Why? Because it's too easy to play against him if he only has good hands. I mean, but when the stack to pot is such like it's like it's really hard to find a bluff. He's not going to have a bluff really. Then why can't he move in with Ace Eight? Because it's not really a bluff. It's like just pure equity denial. It seems like it's a problem. Okay. So based on your thought process, though, should Bryn be check calling with ace queen? I think probably 
not. I think you should be shoving Ace Queen. Oh, you think you should shove it? Yeah. As a bluff? Mostly bluff slash equity denial. Just because the pot's big. Yeah. That's fair. Then what shouldn't he be shoving? Anything that's a pair? <laughs> all the one pair hands? All the hands that are actually have some value? Yeah, I don't know. I think he... It's hard to find hands that he should be checking, it's, which is why it's weird that he hits a four and checks. Yeah. It makes sense to check a four in practice, but maybe you should just be shoving everything. Because it's like, uh, what do I even do yeah. here? Yeah. The stack to pot makes it weird. Yeah. He's, I'm sure he's worried of the whole, like, I move in with the four, and every time Dan has me, he calls, and every time he doesn't, he's just going to fold. I don't know. What is Dan supposed to do, by the way, when Bryn moves in here? Like, you think Dan's just supposed to call with his ace-10 on, on a four? Right, I think that's in. probably a, a spot he should call. Yeah, yeah, because that's pretty bricky yeah. for sure. All right, although the side, the other side of it is Brandon apparently can have anything on the board. Yeah, that's so true. it makes it weird, you know. Yeah, this whole this whole hand is super weird. It is, it is. Anyway, Bryn checks and Dan checks, and I think I like both of those decisions. It seems like you don't as much like. Well, you Dan. said you thought he should be moving in with a four, Bryn. I like it in practice. I think from a theoretical perspective, like it's weird to be checking here and it feels like you only basically have hands that have like just enough showdown value. Like he's going to mm-hmm. show up with like right. pocket sixes and sevens and eights and ace king and, you know, a randomly turned pair in hands mm-hmm. like that. So, so not, I know we're trying to move on, but like, so maybe Bryn should be merging with the four. Basically, this is like an actual merge yeah. spot. Like we almost never see true merge spots. Like that was a thing people talked about, but like really the players don't do it. But this may be a good spot to merge where you might once in a while fold out a slightly better hand and you actually can get called by ace high sometimes too and things like that. Like I don't know if you're ever going to fold out a better hand. I mean, what I yeah, like Dan's not folding a nine. No, Dan doesn't really have a five. No, and he doesn't have pocket pairs. No, that's your point. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. So it's, it's, mostly, so it's not mergy. No, it's just like, there are no merge spots. No, I mean, you, it's a merge in that sometimes you get called by a better hand and sometimes you get called by a worse hand. Does that count as a merge? No, no, it does not. That is not a merge. A, I think like sometimes Dan will call with ace high and you'll be like, that's sweet. And sometimes Dan will show up with like two Kings and you'll be like, oops, that's too bad. You know, I shouldn't yeah, have, that's just, that's just a bet that doesn't know what it wants. I, I shouldn't have threw that's that jack different. four in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Like this is this, like a bet that doesn't know what it wants is usually a bad bet. Right. Right. Which so is that's why, why he checks. Yeah. In practice, it feels right to check. Yeah. But in theory, it's weird to check because it feels like super face up. Yep. I agree. But that's what happens. Yep. And I guess Dan should be worried about that, that Bryn checks here. Well, Bryn might be giving up. Yeah. Which is actually means we're ahead as Dan. Yeah. Or he may have a pair and he's not folding, which is bad as Dan. Yeah. But either way, these are not good reasons to bet. Right. The only reason to bet now is to deny equity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a weird spot for everybody. I mean, the other side, though, is Bryn might be giving up. But if we check it back, then Bryn may like be emboldened, especially on certain river cards, to just push us off whatever the hell, comp, you know, pushes off our hand a lot. Or we could call and not get pushed off the hand. Yeah. But like a king comes and he put moves us in. Odd we're... that you say that because the river is a king. Oh! Oh, the Lev is back. And uh, Bryn Kenny is going to do something pretty interesting. Yeah. He's going to bet. This feels non-standard for sure. It's hard to argue. He's betting small. He's betting about a quarter of the pot, 495 into 1.9. Smith has 1.3. This is for value, right? I feel like I understand what's going on here. Okay. I think it's not just value, but I think it's, I think it's value slash block, blocking. So Bryn assumes that every time Dan has a king, and Bryn checks, Dan's going to bet, which what is true. What kings does Dan have? King, queen. 
Maybe. King Queen, they call the flop with yeah. two back doors. Okay. One, two back doors. Yeah. Sure. Maybe. That's the only king I can really come it's up possible. with. It's possible. I'm not sure if he's calling with that or not, but it's, it's possible. Okay. But secondarily, nines. The, the, the few nines that Dan has. But since he called the flop, he can have some nines. Um, Bryn, gotta believe if Bryn checks, Dan's gonna bet the nine. Right? Mm, how much? How much is, is Dan gonna move in with a nine? I doubt it, but I think he'll go for some value somewhere, right? Well, I don't know if it would be enough to make it worth a blocker bet, is what I'm saying. Well, no, no, no. We're not, you're not doing it just to block, though. You're okay. trying to get value out of the worst hands. Yeah, too. the ace highs. Yeah, like I think it's a common, I think he's thinking some of the better hands are going to bet anyway. The most, the better hands are betting anyway. So let's get value out of the worst hands. I think that's what's going with Thrin Kenny. Let's, let's size it so that way I get the, the better hands don't get as much value out of me or maybe the same amount of value, but the worst hands, some of the, sometimes they're going to pay me off when they wouldn't. They would just check it back. Like yeah, that's what's going on. I think right? Dan would have checked back ace ten. Yeah, this is a limit hold'em concept that that comes into play a lot, which is like the the better hands are betting anyway, so I might as well bet with my medium hand to get called by the even worse hands. Yeah, but of course sizing plays into it here. Then of course, but and he bets smallish. So there are disaster scenarios where Dan Smith goes way above the rim and moves in because it yeah. becomes transparent to him that that's what's going on with Bryn and things right. like if Bryn had a strong hand, he would have bet more or moved moved Dan in. I mean, yeah, but Dan checked back the, the the turn, so Dan doesn't look like he has a very strong hand either, right? True. So it's possible Bryn's just trying to extract what value he can. Well, it's working out well right now because he has the best hand. Yeah, so far so good, but will Dan Smith make the above-the-rim play? It would be a disaster for Bryn if Dan did. I think he would probably be forced to fold, right? Yeah, yeah, he has to fold. I mean, he's Bryn Kenny, does some weird stuff, but I can't imagine he would call when the king comes. I just can't imagine it. It right. seems crazy. So Dan can have a, I mean, it seems crazy. Dan can have pocket Kings. He's usually going to bet that on the turn, but not always, not always. So this is a weird spot for Dan. Now he's getting three to one. Mm-hmm. He was getting better than three to one. The bet was Britain gave himself three to one. He's getting four to one. Mm. Um, so he has ace high, which yeah. is not amazing when the King comes. Cause Bryn has like, now I'm worried about a King. I think Bryn might bet this size with a King because he thinks sure. Dan is weak. Um, Bryn has all the kings. Bryn has way more kings than Dan does. That's for Bryn sure. Bryn probably has every king in the deck. It's really possible he, he has does. Jack four off. So yeah, he might have just seriously. He might literally king. have every king. Yeah. If that's that's enough for me to just fold, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. That right there. If we can add in that Bryn is capable of betting a four for value, we probably don't know that as Dan in this moment. But if we think it's possible, this becomes really problematic because. If we think Bryn is bluffing, which is possible, Bryn is a very high-level player. They might bluff for this size, but yeah. it's really tough to pull the trigger with Jack-10 here for such a small bet when your opponent has chosen to call the flop. And when you can move him in and yeah. be like, put him to a real test. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to leave Dan with not that many blinds if he were to, in his in Dan's mind, if he calls and loses, right? right. Like, But still, it's a lot more than freaking nothing. Yeah. <laughs> It is definitely, he's still got a chance to win the tournament, you know? Yeah. But so I don't know, man. I think I want to fold as Dan now on this king. I, I mean, really don't like the king. You are getting, you only have to be right 20% of the time from a chip EV point of view. Yes. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Brain apparently can have any two cards here. Yeah. That's pretty good. The downside is the situation. Right. right? You check the turn too. Like Brain checking the turn freaks me out. And then the king coming also freaks me out. I mean, Bryn could be giving up on the turn yeah. and then be like, oh, that's a good card to take a shot on. And Dan doesn't have kings and I do. That's true. Okay, that's fair. Like, you're like, is that 20%? Did 
Does that happen 20% of the time? I need that to be 20% of the time for this to even be possibly an okay call. It has call. to be 20% of this sizing, right? 20% of the time at this sizing, yeah. which is tough, but yeah. possible. Right. The, and then, of course, the problem is if Dan calls and loses, he's going to be left with... He's going to be left with 800K. And we're at 3060? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not ideal. We're going to be really... He's going to be really crippled and... So, and this is, of course, the, the problem that we were sort of like the, the culmination of the problem that we were talking about on the flop, right? The potential problem anyway of like, what's the plan as different cards come down? I know you, you didn't yeah. say king one way or the other. I'm not saying that. But like Dan Smith is putting himself in a situation where it's just, it's just like really brutal, you know, where like, great, I'm getting a good price. This card isn't great, but Bryn's capable of repping it. In fact, he's is going to rep it, I would think. He, you know, he can have a lot of hands here by calling and losing really cripples me calling winning the pot is now very big though. Calling and winning is a big deal. Like you get, maybe that's a reason to call actually calling and winning is kind of a big deal at this point. Yeah. Calling and winning is kind of a big deal. That is a reason to call. I just don't like Bryn checking the turn really kind of irks me here yeah. as Dan, like, because you'd rather have Bryn just move in on the turn. Right. right. If we, if we logic this out a little bit and of course with a lot of subjective assumptions involved, Bryn checking the turn, unless he's just giving up, which is possible, but not all the time. For sure. means he has showdown value some of the time. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who gives up a whole lot. That's true. I agree. So he has some sort of showdown value a lot of the time. He does. On the turn. And the king, if we think about it from Bryn's perspective, like you were saying, you were pulling teeth to find a way that Dan could have hit a king. So Bryn shouldn't be really worried about Dan having a king. I agree. So... It feels like Bryn has showdown value that's better than Ace Ten a lot of the time. Also, based on that, if Dan has a king in his hand, he's probably moving in on the turn with it. That's like a good hand to move in with on the turn rather than check back. Oh yeah, because it. Although, yeah, although if he either. thinks Bryn's got showdown value, maybe maybe that's not true. Maybe not. But, maybe that, maybe that's just incorrect. But he doesn't really have a king. I mean, he like just yeah. He it's hard. There's very few. He has a few at best. I think I want to fold because the king doesn't hit. Like it's just a range thing, at this point. How much did Bryn bet again? 495 into 1.9. Wow. The river bet is less than the pre-flop re-raise. That's messed up. Yeah. This is what happens with these sizings these days. And this is the thing. Like, so Dan is now like in this just, Dan's just in this awful spot. Yep. That is, I understand how he got here, but it is also of his own creation. You know, like it I gotten, didn't have to be like this. I would have gotten here too. I, think. I understand. I understand. But this is this is the hard way to play no limit hold'em. Of like, I'm gonna just gonna put all the decisions on me, and I'm gonna be doing a lot of guesswork. Like yeah. that's the tough way. Yeah, I guess that's tough. But I think if you're gonna play the way where you shove this hand preflop, you probably don't keep playing the super high rollers for that long. You don't just have to shove this hand preflop. You also don't have to call the flop. You also can call the flop with the intention of only putting chips in on certain turns and rivers. You know, like you can do all that. Yeah. Um, Dan is in the spot when the king comes and I don't know what he's supposed to do. That's problematic. D- does he know what he's supposed to do? No, he takes a long time before calling. <laughs> right. So I mean, it's just a tough spot that he ends up in. And I understand how he got there. I think I would prefer a fold though mm-hmm. on the river. I think it's better to fold. Even though the price is absurd. I just don't see how you can call, even though the price is amazing. Maybe uh, I, 
And the fact that Brent is capable of betting a four is terrifying in terms of like what, what he can have now. Right now. Can he have, that means he can have two sevens now, you know, he can have a lot of hands that he's betting for value. That's beating us. That's really bad. Yep. So if we know that we can fold easily, if we don't know that, if we, if we think it's like kind of a King or nothing. Okay. Now we have to call, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I think we have enough data on Bryn Kenny to know that he's capable of some weird, fun stuff. Well, we do because we see what Bryn's done just now. Also, no, we've seen him do a lot of stuff. You okay. Know? But Dan Smith has seen him do all this stuff too. And you know, Dan Smith doesn't choose to fold. That's true. He chooses to call. I'm just saying, I think I, I, I like all of his decisions except for the call. I think I would fold. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? I'm not sure I would find myself in this spot, but, um, so what, which I decision can't would you really, I can't, I, I don't know that I'm calling the flop. Okay. I just don't know that. I don't, if Bryn Kenny's three betting a lot from the, from the big blind, I'm probably just re-raising a lot. I'm, I'm probably just shoving a lot too pre. I really, I probably am honestly. Um, cause I, cause these situations get so wonky so fast. Although I do agree that yeah. I think I, I can see how it's optimal to call. I, yeah. I can see that. Um, but also I want to punish Brent a little bit for all the three betting. I don't want to show him like you can't just three bet constantly. Well, that's bruh. what you do with the a seven off. Yeah, but I don't know how often am I really going to get the a seven off. Yeah, you can't wait for that next a seven off all day. <laughs> um, but I think I might fold the flop also only because we're, I'm short enough and the stack to pots, the stack to pot is going to be so brutal and it's there aren't that many cards that improve me enough that I can do anything, you know? So I think yeah. so I think I don't often find myself there by the river. I'm not saying it's right to not find myself there by the river even, but I don't think I often do in practice. Well, I don't in practice either because I'm not playing against Bryn fucking Kenny yeah. most of the time. I'm playing I'm sa- against I, but I'm like Mo, imagining. Like, I'm imagining playing yeah. against Bryn Kenny in this spot though. Well, playing against Bryn Kenny, you should probably shove pre-flop because you're going to get owned post-flop. Yeah. As should I. But like if you if you think that you're on a level ground with him, I think this that Dan probably played it the right way. That's po- That's fair. That's fair. Of course, Dan calls the river, and you don't like that. So maybe he didn't no, play that the right no, way. Well, obviously, I'm better than Dan Smith uh, by by the time the river comes around. Yeah, you know, that's that's when I get my real skills. That's where it all comes together. All right, we're done.